Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Good morning, church. Turn to the person to the left of you and say, welcome to church. Turn to the person to the right of you and say, I'm so glad Roderick is preaching this morning. (laughs) Now turn to the person behind you and say, it's only 169 days before Christmas. Can't go wrong with that, right? I mean, it's a good time now to start saying what you want for Christmas, isn't it? And not on the day your husband or wife asking you, what are you getting me for Christmas? Not on the day. Please, at least now, it's 169 days to prepare for that moment. Okay, so just start um, giving a little couple of hints. Um, Yesterday was my six-year-old's birthday, and um, she had a good day. Lots of preparation went into it. This morning, she came into the room, and um, I asked her, so Erin, did you enjoy your birthday? Yeah, I enjoyed my birthday. But my next birthday is going to be a melon, squishy melon party. So she's already looking forward to her next birthday. And um, this is what my whole sermon this morning is about, is that Christmas is just around the corner. It's just around the corner. And strangely enough, we only seem to think about Christmas when it's in the November, December period. But Christmas is a very important part of the Christian life. It's very important. Because without Jesus getting born, none of this would have been possible. None of this. Okay, so if you have your Bible with you, You can turn to Matthew 1, and we're reading from verse 18 to 21. If you don't have your Bible with you, it's on the screen. But please try and make some notes at least. Okay, so I'm reading from verse 18. It says, wait quick, let me just just backtrack here for a second. Pastor Kate, if you're watching, welcome. If you're online and watching, welcome. If you're not watching, (laughs) welcome. (laughs) So it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, you all know what that means, eh? before they came together. Don't have to explain it, there's some kids sitting here. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, 
and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Amen. So just some, some background to the scripture, because sometimes we forget the setting and the whole background to scripture. So when it says that they were betrothed, the Jewish marriage custom was basically something like this. So first of all, there would be an engagement. And an engagement would normally be from when they were young already. So the parents of the kids would come together and say, Do you know what? Your son, your daughter, we want them to be married. And this is from a very young age. Okay? So the kids would know that when they're older, they are going to marry that specific person and no one else. Not like cult, like now we have. Kids can just go wherever they want to. Okay? In Jewish custom, there's very set rules when it comes to engagements and marriage. So the children would know in years in advance who they're going to get married to. Okay? And normally, that is a legally binding agreement. It's not something to be taken like. Likely, It's a legally binding agreement that these two kids are going to get married. Okay, So keep that at the back of your head. Then there's normally a waiting period. So when they come of age and they're about to get married, there's normally a waiting period of typically about a year. Okay, And in that year, they start making arrangements for the marriage and the marriage ceremony and all those type of things. So when we're talking about Mary and Joseph were betrothed, it was generally this waiting period that they've now entered into. So they knew they were going to get married to each other, but now they're in that year where they are preparing for their marriage, where they to officially consummate the marriage. Again, I'm not going to explain what officially consummate mean. Okay, because there are kids sitting here. Okay, but just know that is, is, is the next step. So this is the setting that the scripture brings us into. Okay, so here we meet Joseph. And Joseph, if you read through the scriptures, he doesn't say one word. I've looked through the Bible, went from Matthew, Luke, John, Mark as well, and even read Joseph in the Old Testament, which Kathy did. Because when Kathy asked me, what are you going to preach about? I said, I'm preaching about Joseph. And I gave her Matthew 1, which is the story, the Christmas story. And then in the week, I said, Oh, I'm preaching the Christmas story. And Kathy said, oh, I thought you were preaching about Joseph and his multicolored coat. So there are two Josephs in the Bible normally, but the one we're dealing with is the father of Jesus. Okay? So Joseph doesn't say a word. I don't find any word with regards to Joseph. Okay? Strangely enough. So, another thing that you must know is that when a Jewish woman in this period of, you know, this marriage period, this year when they're betrothed, if she's found to be pregnant by somebody else, 
there are consequences. And we don't actually deal with those consequences. One of those consequences is divorce. So the husband or the man can opt to divorce her, which is also a formal kind of documentation, okay? Another thing that he can do is he can publicly shame her. He can go to the elders and he can say, look here, this woman who I'm betrothed to, basically married to, she's now pregnant from somebody else. And they can take her out into the marketplace and shame her publicly. We see this happening in Jesus' in, in, in Jesus time as well. They bring a woman to him who was, was caught up in adultery and they were about to stone her. Okay? So remember, this is the same thing that could have happened to Mary if Joseph had decided to do it. We read the story, but we don't look at the consequences of these things. Joseph could have publicly shamed Mary and they could have taken her out into the marketplace and stoned her to death. Another thing that they could have done was they could have socially ostracized her, meaning that she and her family, no one would have wanted to have anything to do with her, with them at all. That would have had a big impact on their business and everything about their way of life. We see this actually with a woman at the well. She's socially ostracized to the point where she has to, whenever she goes and draws water from the well, she does it at a time when there's nobody there because society wants nothing to do with her. Everybody has shamed her. And that is another thing that could have happened to Mary if Joseph had so decided to do that. So this is a setting for the scripture. We read in the beginning that Joseph found out that she is with child and it's not his child. We don't know how he found out. She could have told him. There could have been somebody in the village that's gossipy, you know. I'm sure you guys know somebody like that that always likes to tell people about what's happening in somebody else's house. Said, you know what? That person's daughter is pregnant. And it's not with a boyfriend. It must be somebody else. And they love talking about somebody else. So Joseph could have found out about Mary's pregnancy in that way. Because the thing is, the word of God says, he considered these things, okay? But the angel hasn't spoken to him yet. He hears about these things. He hears about Mary being pregnant. But nobody has spoken to him yet. The angel of the Lord hasn't spoken to him. God hasn't revealed anything to him yet. And this is a setting that we find Joseph in. He finds bad news, but God hasn't spoken to him yet about his bad news. He's had no revelation about this bad news. If I was Joseph that whole scripture would have had my words in there. There would have been so much attributed to me in that time. Who is this guy? Where does he live? When did this happen? All those type of things would have been in the Bible, I promise you. If I was Joseph. 
But Joseph was not like that. It says he was a just man. And he considered these things in his heart. God didn't speak to him about it. But his character was different from what we are. So what do we see and what do we hear about this man, this Joseph? I mean, there's no words attributed to him, but we can see something about him. Pastor spoke last week at the, um, the Ruddington service, something, two words about his, 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 his message, and it really struck me. And those two words were divine disruption. It really spoke to me. I didn't hear anything else about what he preached. But just those two words, divine disruption. There comes a time in your life where God disrupts your life so incredibly, where things seem to go wrong, where nothing is going right where you are looking at your life and you're wondering, why me? Why not somebody else? A divine disruption. Because it's at that moment that God steps in. He doesn't step in before the disruption and give you a little warning. Do you know what, Roderick? You're about to lose your job but it's going to be okay. No, 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 no. You lose your job. Things go wrong. And then he steps in and he says, I've got you. You find yourself pregnant. You're not married. And then he steps in and he says, I've got you. You find yourself without friends without family. And God steps in and he says, I got you. A divine disruption. It doesn't happen before the event. It happens when you're going through this thing. And even worse, oh my goodness, Lord, he doesn't even tell you what's going to happen at the end. He doesn't even tell you how you're going to get through it. There's no little path that tells you when you get here, you go left. When you get there, go to the right. No. The disruption just tells you, I've got you. And now you have to operate in faith. Now you have to put your faith to practice. Now you have to, to depend on Him and Him alone. Not on anything that you've done. Not on anything that you know. You know, once um, we, we were traveling to, to Liverpool and I had the whole journey planned. I knew how we were going to get there. And we're in the, the train and we're traveling. And before we came to Manchester, a notification came through to say, the train is stopping at Manchester and now you have to find your own way further to Liverpool. I didn't know what to do. That's when you start panicking because it's a strange, to us, that was a time when we just got to the UK. So we didn't know anything. But Google 
gave me so many different options. Who, who knows that Google doesn't always tell you the right thing? Doesn't always. You go into Google Maps, it tells you, go here, go there, whatever. Boom, you're in a dead end. <laughs> it stops somewhere. You're looking at the map. It says you need to go down here, but there's a dead end. You can see the dead end, but Google is telling you you need to go through this dead end. And you don't know now what, because you've put all your faith in Google. Put all your faith in Google. Now you have to look at the alternative. But Google's not giving you an alternative. It's telling you, go. To, I was in London once, and Google took me into this alley. And I thought, oh my goodness, Google. Are you sure? Are, are you sure that I have to go through this alley where I need to go? But Google told me, go. So in faith, I went through the alley, okay? And, but that's the amount of faith we put in Google, but not in God, not in the Word of God. When you're going through something and it tells you, my grace is sufficient for you, it's not enough for you. It's not, it's not enough. You want a little bit more. You want, you, you want the, the steps, and you, you want it to be ordered. But we don't, we don't put our faith and our trust in the Word of God. But Joseph, Joseph is different. So here in the first verse, we can see that Joseph, what he does, firstly, he chooses compassion and selflessness over condemnation. The first thing he does, he could have condemned Mary, but he was compassionate. Everything in Joseph's life at that moment was going wrong. It was going wrong. This is not how he planned his wedding. Everything was going wrong. But yet, it says that he considered these things. Okay? He considered these things. He decided to break the engagement off quietly. He thought about Mary before he thought of himself. How often do we go through things and we lash out at other people? Because something has gone wrong. That person has disappointed us. And we lash out at them. We rather think that it's easier to hurt them like we've been hurt. Isn't it so much easier that they experience the same pain that we are going through? Because they've, they've now brought pain upon you. So the next easiest thing to do is to, to bring pain upon them as well. Even as Christians, even as a husband and wife, it happens. My wife hurts me, I'll hurt her back. She says something bad to me, I'll say something back as well. Because we're so accustomed, accustomed to that practice of getting hurt and hurting somebody else. Hurt people, hurt others. You've always heard that. The thing is, in church, church is where hurt people come to. Hurt people come to church. 
because they are dealing with things. So if I'm hurt and I'm in church, nine times out of ten, I'll probably hurt somebody else in church. But for you that's in church, you have to recognize that that person might be going through hurt. So they didn't intentionally mean to hurt you. It's just that they are going through something and now they are lashing out and they now are hurting you unintentionally. Can we, as brothers and sisters, when somebody hurts you in church, say something to you that you don't like, does something to you that you don't approve of, just take a step back like Joseph, consider it in your heart, Take it to the Lord. And then address the issue. Rather than lashing out, and before you know it, you don't even come to church anymore. Why? Because somebody has said something bad to you. Someone has hurt you. But if you talk to that person, that person might tell you, do you know what? I didn't intend to do that. I've just been going through something. And at that moment, you were in front of me at that time, and I said the wrong thing. Joseph didn't lash out. He took the words of Mary, and he considered it in his heart first. He didn't even wait on God first. His character said, I am going to, first of all, wait and see what happens next. Can you choose, Joseph chose, patience over impulsiveness. He chose patience over impulsiveness. Impulsiveness will get you into trouble 10 times out of 10. When impulsive, that is reacting to your feelings and your emotions. Your impulsiveness, spur the moment type of thing, will get you into trouble every single time. Impulsiveness will never get you out of trouble. Impulsiveness will never get you out of trouble. It will always get you into trouble. Okay? Who remembers Dennis Rodman? He played basketball. Tattooed guy and everything. He was an actor as well. Dennis Rodman. He got married to a woman called Carmen Electra. They were married... For nine days. Nine days they were married. Why? Because of impulsiveness. Without considering what they were doing, they just jumped into it. Impulsiveness. Nine days later, divorce. He said he didn't know what he was doing at the time. How many times do we find ourselves in something and now we're calling out to God, oh, can you help me here? The reason we're in it is because of impulsiveness. But Joseph wasn't impulsive. He considered things in his heart. He thought about it rationally. He went to bed first. And that's when God spoke to him. In a dream. He thought before he acted. Hasty decisions 
can often close the door to the Holy Spirit in your life. When you are hasty, when you make a decision impulsively, spur the moment. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Isaiah 40 verse 31, everyone knows this one. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait, not those who are impulsive. Patience, we also know, is a fruit of the Spirit. We are called to live patiently. It's a fruit of the Spirit. I've stopped praying for patience. Do you know why? Because God doesn't give you patience. He works patience out through you. And that's so difficult. Because I don't want more situations where I have to be patient. I don't want more situations, things to deal with where I have to now be patient. So don't pray for patience. That's, that's, all, um, that's just my word of advice to you. If you get anything out of this, don't pray for patience. Okay. I'm just actually seeing over there, um, if I didn't say it in the beginning, um, the name and title of this is <laughs> Christmas in July. Okay. If you didn't know, I'm, I'm almost close to landing. Um, so, actually, do you know what? Do, do, do you know why it's called Christmas in July? Now, not only for this, but in Cape Town, normally we, um, June, July, it's very um, windy and rainy. It's the coldest time in the year. So normally this time of the year, um, people and organizations start having little gatherings called Christmas in July parties. So that's what normally happens. So everybody will get together, they'll dress up the walls and everything in Christmas decorations and you buy little gifts and things. So it's just celebrating Christmas in the July period. That's all. But here, it's blazing hot, so it's kind of pointless having Christmas in July. But let me tell you this. There's no reason why you can't celebrate Christmas in July. If you want to celebrate the birth of Christ, you can celebrate it any time in your life. Any time in your life, you can celebrate that God sent his son and his son was born of the Virgin Mary and that he went to the cross on our behalf. Amen? Okay. Then finally, what do we learn from Joseph? Joseph chose obedience over control. He chose obedience over control. He goes to, he hears this bad news. Terrible news. His whole life has changed. He decides not to do anything about it yet. Decides to go to, go to bed first, go have a good night's sleep. I mean, that's the last thing on my mind when I get bad news. Joseph decides to have a good night's rest. And in his sleep, the angel of the Lord appears to him. And the angel then explains to him 
What is going to happen? Tells him, Joseph, take Mary as your wife. She's about to have a child, and you will call the child Jesus. He wakes up, and he does it. That is obedience. That's obedience to the word of God. I would have woken up and said, oh, it's just a dream. It's something I ate last night. That's all it was. Because this situation is still unchanged. God hasn't taken away this baby that's in her stomach right now. I still have to deal with this. But not Joseph. Joseph wakes up and he does what the angel of the Lord has told him. That's obedience. Let me tell you this. From that moment onwards, all Joseph had was struggle. Everything from then onwards becomes a run for his life. This decision that he makes, which is a right and a good decision, leads to him running for his life every single time because now people want to kill him. Can you, when you have something bad happen to you, make the right decision? And in that right decision, when things are still up against you, still honor the decision that you've made? Still honor that God, no matter how difficult this path is, I will still keep on walking this path. Because Joseph still keeps on walking the path. When Herod sent people after him to kill him and the baby and Mary, he still walked the path. He could have said, you know what? I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this. But yet, he made that decision and he stuck with his decision. That's the man, the character of Joseph. In his family, because eventually, I promise you, people would have talked about this, that it's not his child. He would have had to endure embarrassment. We don't see that in the Bible. He would have had to walk with that every single day in his community with people talking about him, talking about Mary, talking about Jesus every single day of his life. But, he decided to do the right thing, the righteous thing. How are we when it comes to doing those type of things for God? The band can come up. The call of God in our lives demands that we be obedient to the word of God over our lives. When you're walking in Christ, you have to be obedient to Christ. Can't do your own thing. And in that obedience, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's hard. But if you look at Joseph's life, it was hard. It was hard to the point of death, embarrassment, 
all those things over his life. But you know what? He did it. He responded with compassion and grace. Are you responding with compassion and grace when challenging times are in your life? He avoided hasty judgments, but sought understanding. Are you looking for understanding in your life rather than making rash and harsh and quick decisions? He embraced the word of God over his life, even in the face of uncertainty. Even when there was no Google Maps to tell him where he needs to go, he embraced uncertainty. God and being obedient to God was more important to him than anything else. Then finally, he realized that God's ways, God's ways is higher than his ways. He had his life mapped out. He had his life mapped out from a young age. But when this divine disruption came into his life, he submitted to the divine disruption. He submitted to the word of God over his life. This morning, if there's a divine disruption over your life, if things are not as what they should be, because you've mapped out your life, I'm gonna have this house with a nice picket fence, my kids are gonna be like this, my wife or my husband's gonna be like that. You've mapped out your life for you. But as you're sitting here this morning, it's nowhere close to that. It's nowhere close to that. And that's a time when you find impatience creep into your life. Now you find that you are unhappy with the way things is played out in your life. But can you be like Joseph? If you look at Joseph, to Joseph, God was more important than anything else that's going wrong in his life. Amen.